So in a way, you know, I like this little symbolism because it looks like I'm in a cage, yeah? Yeah, yeah. But from my point of view, that's the cage. All out there. Everyone out there. You may not be confined by bars, but it's just the same activity, yeah? So the way the perception is I'm in a cage because you see something that seems to be confining. But in fact, the way we see this is a form of looking which is the true cage, yes? Self-centeredness is a very small window of seeing how you see things. It's a form of looking. So like a friend of mine was just talking, who's leaving now, it's going to share with her. She was just talking to me about having to let go of something, yes? And you've run into that many times, yes? Something has gotten to a point where it's really seemingly bothering you or it's bothering someone who you, you're invested in or whatever, yes? So you have this real need to, or a drive to let go. Yeah, I've got to let go of this or whatever meaning your mind will give it. But the thing is, if there's a sense of a you that has to let go, there's a prior sense of a you that's holding on. Yeah. Now, when the prior sense of the you that feels like it's holding on lets go, it's definitely going to hold on again. Yeah? Sooner or later. Because the way the mind works is binary or dualistic. Yes? So letting go and holding on are sort of the same thing, different movements of the same thing, yes? A mental movement. The, the false singularity of you stays the stable point, see? So there's always a you that's letting go, or always the you that's holding on, yeah? The, you, the letting go and holding on change. They go back and forth, different degrees of it. But the you, the seeming authentic reference point, is really the bondage, yeah? Not the holding on or the letting go. Those are just movements. But the, st the, the stability of the fixated idea of being a someone, a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, that's the real bonding mechanism. Not the holding on or letting go. Those are just movements, yes? But there always seems to be a you with both of them. So if you're not that you, then there, if there's no one to hold on, then there's no one to let go. That's, that's actually is the experience of what you call letting go. That's what it really feels like. When that's seen, that there's no one who's holding on, and therefore there's no one that's needing to let go, that's the letting go. That's what, when we say, I, I feel great, I let go of something, yeah? That feeling really isn't captured by that statement, because it's very fleeting, because you get this mental feeling of relief that you let go, only to hold on again. But the real feeling of letting go is not being the one who holds on or lets go. Yeah? They're just movements of mind. That movement of mind is like a tide, and there's a false ocean, and that ocean is that there's a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. So on the surface of that ocean, that like, uh, it's like a pseudo-sense of oneness, yeah? You, as this long-lasting, independent, separate entity, that that false sense of oneness seems to be stable through all the movements. So on the surface, there's letting go, and then holding on, getting close, being far, feeling really connected, being disconnected, yes? Feeling super conscious, then feeling really unconscious, feeling great, feeling terrible, yeah? They're all movements, but you have to see those movements have meaning based on the stagnant little taking of you as the ocean, yeah? 
That's what lends all the meaning to letting go and holding on. It seems so important for you to let go. The importance isn't in the letting go. The importance is the you. That's holding on and letting go. That's the importance, yeah? The importance just gets distributed either this way or that way, but the constant distribution of that importance verifies the source, which is you, 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 and there is none. Yeah. So the freedom from letting go and holding on isn't about learning a great way to, to hold on less and to let go more, but to realize there's no one holding on or letting go. Like a great master, well, for me he was a great master, said to someone in a particular talk, he says, listen, don't worry about letting go of your possessions, just let go of the possessor. Yeah. The possessor is what's giving the, the meaning of bondage to the possessions. Yeah? There would be no bondage by possessions unless there was a possessor. Yeah. It's not, the, it's not the, the stuff that bonds you. It's the meaning your mind gives the stuff that bonds you. It uses the stuff to distribute a meaning to. And that meaning, it's like the Course in Miracles used to, it still says that you and I are the dreamer of the dream. Yeah? We forgot we've dreamt the dream. We forgot that we're dreaming. We forget that we're the dreamer. And we've given everything we've dreamt the power to affect us. That's what it's like. So here's this ocean of stability, this false sense of self, and it dreams in low and high tides. It dreams dualistically. So it's holding on, letting go, getting close, being far, feeling really connected, feeling disconnected, feeling up, feeling down. Yeah? It just moves. But the frame, where all the movement is being captured, isn't moving. And it's actually the frame, what you want to call it self-centeredness, yeah? The frame is dictating the movements, yeah? Just like the ocean isn't moving on its own accord, it's affected by the, the moon, yes? It's affected by the wind, it's affected by the bottom, if you see waves or not, yes? So all these variables go into the, producing the effect, of what you see on the surface, yeah? But if all those variables are contained in this one defined frame, which is a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a body, you're taking yourself to be an object, yes? Instead of being the no-thing, which is demonstrated by seeing, by the awareness, you're taking yourself to be someone who's aware. And that someone is signified as a body. So then, as soon as the someone, which is a thought, yes, is now placed in the throne of all importance, which is, it's you, you can't have a bigger meaning given to anything than that, now there, that becomes the center of that realm, and now the mind, the conditional mind, thinks about you as a body. Look at your system of thought. How, do, how does your thought system present you? As a body, doesn't it? When you're thinking about you, it's usually as a body, or someone in a body, yeah? When you're thinking about you in the past, how are you pictured in that little realm of the past? As a body, yeah? And when you're worrying about you in the future, what represents that you? A body, yeah? So the system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness, it takes you as a body, that's its center, yeah? It's fixated on that. 
And so, when you call, when you say, I'm obsessing with self, what is that but the mind's thinking about what it takes you to be? Yes? So, but there is some, there is nothing, but there is, you have to use the word something, there is no thing, let's say, there is an awareness that is prior to the activity of all that. Because that awareness is what's seeing the activity of you seeing. Yeah? When there's a feeling of you looking, there's something that's, that's aware of that. That's where you're getting the feeling of you looking. You're not getting the feeling of you looking from you looking because that's not what's happening. There's just seeing. The feeling of you looking is a mental product. It's a process, yes? Seeing gets claimed by the mental system and it's turned into I'm looking. So the seeing is seeing the looking. It is. The seeing is seeing the you that believes it's looking. So there's a seeing prior to when you start to be looking. <laughs> because what's looking is actually the seeing. Yeah. Not you looking. It's seeing. Yeah. The seeing is happening. The mental process claims it, tries to, and goes, I'm looking. So it intersects the seeing, yeah, and place it, places itself here, and then its world starts from this point. It makes up a pseudo-point in what's always happening at all times. It makes up a certain reference point, which is you as a body. You're stuck there, and now seeing, seeing, seeing's happening. As soon as it goes through this prism, it turns into I'm looking. Yeah, It's the same seeing. Seeing, 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 or undifferentiated light moving through the prism, hits this prism of conditioning, now it differentiates. So the seeing is forgotten, and now it's taken to be, I'm looking. I'm the one who's looking. I'm the one who's looking. I claim awareness. In, in recovery, it says the whole how and why of the program of recovery, the whole how and why of it is to quit playing God. That is the first movement of playing God. It claims what you want to maybe name God's activity. It claims it. Yeah? The conscious contact, it claims to be the one who's in conscious contact. Instead of being something that's contacted by consciousness, it claims this to be the one who's conscious. It's amazing, eh? It's an amazing leap. So there's awareness which presents a sense of being a body. Without the awareness, there'd be no sense of being a body. But the awareness of the body is forgotten, and now we believe the awareness is something the body's doing. Yeah? Unconscious. I've made a decision today to be conscious. Yesterday I made a bad decision to be unconscious. But today I'm making a decision to be conscious. All this is movement of being conscious and unconscious on this giant sea of consciousness. Yeah? that doesn't get lessened by being unconscious in a manifestation and doesn't get added upon by being more conscious. That's just a mental interpretation of all there is is consciousness. Yeah? So you take what's always so and the mind gives it a movement. Oh, I'm really conscious today because I did this. I meditated before. I burped. I had my little kombucha. Make sure it wasn't alcoholic by the time I drank it. Well, sat there, did my yoga, and I'm really fucking conscious today. Jesus Christ, I'm just fucking, I'm skimming on the surface of life, leaving hardly a ripple. Man, it's incredible. And I see people who are very unconscious, and I want to tell them what I do to be conscious. And if they don't do what I do, then I'm, I'm, I'm 
definitely sure they're going to be unconscious. Yeah? All the while, all there is is consciousness. All there is is awareness. Yeah? How could what's always so, that's prior to even the idea of you appearing, and the only way an idea of you appears, it must appear in a field of awareness, I would say we are the awareness that the idea of you appear in. Yes? There is no way the idea that appears in awareness is going to get behind the awareness and be the one that's aware. It's no freaking way. It's just made up. Yeah. It can't erase awareness because if it did, there would be no pantomime. There would be no light to, uh, in the production. There would be no reflection of what's happening yeah, without awareness. Yeah. So I can't get rid of that, the mind says. But what I'll do is I'll claim it. I'll just say I'm the one who's aware. How am I going to have a fixed reference so that I can always locate the one who's aware? How about this little object? I'll take this body. When I look at it, I call it a you. But this one that I'm looking from, I'll call me. Oh, totally different than all the yous I see, even though their body's just like this one. But mine is totally different because when I ask myself, who is this? It's me. When they ask, ask, who's that? It's you. Obviously, there's a vast difference. I meet and use all fucking day, and not one of them is me. Yeah? And the unfortunate thing is, all these other yous think they're a me, and they see me as a you. And it's very upsetting to me that you've, you would picture me as a you, while I'm doing the same fucking thing to you. But it's me. But if you actually looked at what's happening, they're seeing of a body, yes? Now, my mental process says, when it regulates that, goes, oh, I'm seeing you. Yeah? But if you look at the event, isn't, there's only one eye in this room, if you want to call it that, yeah? Let's call I the awareness, yeah? So the one eye is, is seeing like 20 U's. That's really what's going on. From where Jeff's sitting, that's I seeing this body, calling it a you. Yeah? From this position, this camera position, the I sees that body and calls it you. Yeah? So in a, in, in a sense, to the I, we're both yous, yes? But to the mental process, this you's a me. It becomes identified with this body, and now it calls the I a me. Instead of recognizing the eye is the only thing that's seeing everyone and all, now it becomes a unique subjective experience this me is having. Yeah? All piggybacking on the eye. Yeah? All forms of looking are piggybacking on seeing. Self-centeredness is a form of looking. It's piggybacking on seeing. Alcoholism is a subdivision of a form of looking called self-centeredness. It's piggybacking on seeing. Yes? Buddhism is a, a view, a way of looking. That's piggybacking on seeing, yes? Hasidic Judaism is a point of view, a, a looking. That's piggybacking on seeing. There isn't any looking without the seeing, yes? But, without the, but there is seeing without the looking. <laughs> there is no looking without the seeing, but there is seeing without the looking and also with the looking. The seeing never changes, Yeah? It can only be hijacked by a mental process, but it cannot be taken over by the mental process. It doesn't change its nature and become a mental product. Yeah? It just gets claimed 
And it's sort of like put a certain clothing is put on it, which is an identification as you or me. Yeah. Now, all the while, the seeing, like St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're looking for. What's looking, he's not quantifying that. It doesn't say a special day, everyone look on Sunday at 12 o'clock. And now, when everyone's looking at this certain icon, that will be what's what you're looking for. That looking. No, no. You could be looking at porno, that's it. You can be looking at a doo-doo in the toilet when you get up from it, that's it. That whatever looking is going on at whatever time is what you are looking for. Jesus Christ. I never thought I'd find it in this situation. I thought I'd find it in that situation. Yes? That spiritual retreat. Oh, there I'll... Yeah, yes. Now I can really feel the seeing while looking this way. Yes, but... You see? What's looking is what you and I are looking for. Why isn't it that we can't find it? Because it's an open secret. It's out in the open. Yes? It's being disguised as a form of looking, but all it is is seeing. The looking is just a mental interpretation. Yes? Piggybacking on the seeing. And if there's no identification with the central theme of that interpretation, which is being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, you will see the looking. Instead of looking from the looking, you will see the looking. You will see it made up. Because it takes time. And the seeing is timeless. The seamless seeing is not a conditional activity here in time. It's timeless. Yes? But the mental process that claims seeing and makes it a form of looking takes time. And there's a pause between the one and the other occur. Yes? The seeing never occurs. It's always occurring. Yes? That's the pause. Then a mental process takes time to claim that seeing and make it into a form of looking. You, not you, but there's a seeing of that form of looking being made. In that seeing, even if it's for a split second, there can be a transfer of incredible wealth of information, which is, I'm not that. (laughs) I am not that. I am not that which thinks it's looking. I am not that which thinks it's got to give up something. I am not that that's holding on to something. I am not that that's letting go. It doesn't exclude letting go and holding on. That's activity of an interpretation, but it doesn't imply a one who's holding on or letting go anymore. That's freedom. Freedom from what? The act of bondage to the idea of being a self. Freedom isn't something that you're going to get. You know, you're finally going to acquire it as if it's like a stagnant, like rock-like object, and then you're going to bring it home to your mantle, your spiritual mantle, and put it up there with all the other great revelations you think you've had, and sit there. No. Freedom from bondage of self is an activity. It's a manifestation. It's a movement here. Yeah? Just like everything else is a movement. It's a movement. If you could say it's freeing, it's not freedom, it's freeing. It's freed from the bondage of self. The bondage of self is when you take a mental idea to be what you are. Yeah? You give it the biggest meaning the mind can give it, which is it's you, which is much bigger than the meaning that the mind gives God. Much, much, much bigger. And that meaning now, from that point of view of selfing, self-centeredness, 
All your meaning is distributed from that point of view, from that form of looking, every one of them. Yes? And now you're living the life brought to you by selfing. Yeah. You're living as a character in the movie that's produced, directed, distributed, sold, starred in by selfing. And then you want to go, it starts feeling really irritable to the you. It starts feeling really disingenuous, feels very uh, dissatisfying and irritable. And yet you get the double bonanza of the movie. Because when you think you're getting out of the movie, it's just an extension of being in the movie. Just like you sit here and say, oh, Paul looks like he's in the cage. But at that moment, you're in the bigger cage. You're in the unseen cage. The unseen cage of a certain way of looking. A very small spectrum. That here's all entertaining mind have to, have to fit through this little shoebox. So now, when you entertain a condition, you entertain it involved with time. In other words, not getting the sense you're okay now, I will be okay later, maybe. I was once okay, so I hope I will be okay. But there's never an immediacy of the okayness. There's never a recognition of the timelessness of the solution. It always is seen just like the problem appears in time. So now, so let's say you do a talk like this. This is an invitation, yes? An invitation. Do you ever get a 50-page invitation? Have you? All right, here's this. All right, this is why you have to come to this party. 50 pages of why. No, it's usually, all right, 8 o'clock, you know, Saturday the 12th. Uh, you know, here, map quest it, and we'll see you there. Yeah? All right, it's like maybe less than a paragraph. Or a message. You know? My message machine takes like 30 seconds. If you can't say what you need to say in 30 seconds, forget about it. You know? Yes, Paul, I want to see you next week. Okay, great, that's a good message. Not like 800 pages of it. This is a message. It's like, let's say your car is stalled. Yeah. Let's say your car is stalled. And so... You open up the thing, and you take the air filter off, and you see the carburetor. So you get a gas can, right? And you put a couple of drops of gas in while you're pumping up the car, yeah? And you have the key already. The engine's there. And if you just move the key, it ignites, yes? The car starts. You don't keep pouring gas in, do you? Because if you kept pouring gas in, it would flood it again. By giving too much of the solution, it will flood it, and it will become a problem inherent in itself, Yes? It's a couple of drops, then the car starts. Now, where's the problem? You're driving. Yeah? This is what it's like. The mind is there. It's like a giant, let's say, sea of chemistry. All it needs is a catalyst. You know what like a catalyst is in chemistry? You apply this little chemical, and it incites the other chemicals to produce something. Yes? That's what an invitation is. The mind is fertile, incredible, it's never changed, it's open as sky, nothing that is appearing in it or seemingly outside of it has any true effect on its real nature. All the mind needs is maybe a couple drops of a message. Hey, you're a lion. Yeah. And the lion is a bad example because it's, you think it's an object, but let's just say you're a lion. Yeah. The message is you're a lion. So everyone sometimes will have a, aha, yeah, an unspoken yes, yeah, I'm a lion. And it feels good when you're in a safe place and you think you're a sheep that, hey, entertain, hey. But the thing is, here it is, you're a lion. Here's the message, you're a lion. Everyone hears it, pretty simple. You're a lion, you're a lion, you're a lion, you're a lion, you're a lion. 
it hits the ear, now it hits the sheep ear, you're identified as a body. Yes? Your imperative, your priority is that you're not spirit, but that you're a body. So here you hear the word, I'm a lion, I'm a lion, and as soon as it hits there, it becomes, I can become like a lion. That's not the message. I can become like a lion, a lion will be a lifelong path, because you'll never be a lion. You will never be able to leave your sheepness and become a lion. The whole point is to question your sheepness. If you're not a sheep, what are you? You'll find out. In this case, you roar. You're a lion. It doesn't take any freaking time. It's just a recognition. The joy of it here in manifestation, it will play out. But the idea of trying to coax it into understanding something that it cannot possibly understand as a sheep, instead of just questioning the sheepness, which is you take that whole block out of the way, and there it is. Yeah. The open secret, the gateless gate. The open secret. There's no secret. It's right out in the open. What's looking is what you're looking for. St. Francis couldn't have saved us more time. Instead of 800 pages of the next self-help book, you know, you get one, like, half a sentence that has more impact than all that other baloney. Hey, what's looking now is what you are looking for. I don't think so. I'm looking for a car. I'm looking for that. Yes, but see, but those are all mental images, symbolizations of something that it can't symbolize because it's no thingness. Yes? It can't, ha- it doesn't have numbers in an account page. It doesn't have quantity. It doesn't have weight. It can't own it or privatize it or claim it. Just like in recovery, it says you have it by giving it away. You can't tattoo it. You can't brand it. There's just a recognition of its always so-ness. Yeah? And then it thaws this mind out of the knowing, because the knowing, you think that's an activity, it's total stagnation of mind. Knowing. Knowing. It's never ending. In recovery they talk about, they say, self-knowledge will avail us nothing. Wow, that's incredible, because knowledge has seemed to be held with such high esteem in this culture. But it's saying there, self-knowledge will avail us nothing. The way I interpret that, any knowledge claimed by selfing, yes, the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, is not going to lead you for, to freedom from that selfing. You're just going to know how shitty it is to be a self, and yet there'll be no relief. It's even worse. It's like being a professor of holes and you, you find yourself in one every fucking day. But, oh, I've seen this hole before. Oh, great. That's great knowledge. You're still in it. Yeah. But real freedom is I don't know. That's when the mind becomes fluid. Not in knowing. That assurance of knowing is like neutering. The I don't know in Zen is seen as the highest form of mind. Because in the I don't know, what happens? If you're in the state of I don't know, you find out. Yeah? Find out has much more conviction than knowing. Because this thing that's thinking it's knowing is binary. It's dualistic. It knows, and at the most important moment when it really needs to know, it acts like it doesn't know. As you found out, haven't you, in life? Many, many times. I read, you know, the 12 rules of a good relationship, and I went over them month after month in every little self-help thing, and then when push comes to shove, it was all out the window. 
Rage showed up and fuck you. Give me those shoes back. I need. Ah. So what are you going to do? Get more knowledge and it's going to help you? The whole point is I don't know. It's not about managing better. It's like I um, admit there's an overwhelm. I can't fucking possibly take this place. It's total insanity. <laughs> so in the I don't know, it translates into finding out. And when you find out something, it's much more convincing because this is binary. Remember, it can be seemingly totally convinced and five minutes later it's unconvinced. I've heard people share at institutions and hospitals about the depravity of their life in addiction and drugs, and they are as sincere as sincere can be, and yet the mind shifts the next morning and they're out running around like crazy again. This, if you're waiting for this to get it, you'll just forget about it, because this gets and ungets. It gets and ungets. It remembers and forgets. There's not just a remembrance, and that's that. It remembers and then forgets. And usually, I'm telling you, at the worst possible time. But finding out is a different form of knowledge. It's in your gut, if you want to call it that. There's a knowing beyond knowing like this kind of knowing. There's a knowing like when you were a kid. Yeah? Did someone have to explain to you, Oh, Tommy, you're having fun. It looks like you're having fun. Fuck you. I know I'm having fun. I'm a kid. I'm three years old. Of course I'm having fun. Let's go over this. Why are you having fun, Tommy? Give me a break. You knew it, didn't you? I mean, love was obvious. You felt safety with your family unless you were in an abusive situation. I wasn't. I was in like an Irish Catholic situation. It wasn't much contact, but at least there was a safety around. Yeah. But there was. And then there, was, there wasn't much thinking, yeah? Something would arise and then it would depart. When did the thinking become predominant? When the idea of being a you showed up, Yes. When the system placed its little central piece, the whole decor of your life has suited that. All your fucking curtains and rugs and beds, everything, your pillowcases, your fucking shit. That whole thing dominates everything, that one idea. And all of it's furnished with thought. Thought and interpretation and thought and thought and more thought. I remember I was in Nepal and I went to a, a Buddhist temple there, a monastery. They had Tibetan monks there. And I was talking to the guy through a, the Lama, through a translator. And the Lama, they had, they had no, they don't have an, a word for self, first of all. And they say, man, Westerners just think too much. Just get up, take a shit, eat something, you know, do whatever you have to do, go home, eat some more, go to sleep. What's the big freaking deal? What about self-esteem? They were laughing like crazy. What? Self-esteem? It's like trying to get esteem for a phantom? What the fuck? <laughs> My ghost has a lot of esteem. It's really, it's, it was really, you know, doing great now. It's really fantastic. No. These are imaginary. We put a centerpiece of a whole life that's, that acts like a gravitational pull. Yeah? Because everything that arises, instead of seeing life as happening, you see it as it's happening to you, don't you? Everything is given direction based on your fixed reference. Everything. Everything is given direction. Everything is just moving. But then when I stick myself like a flag in that movement, that flag gives everything meaning and direction. Oh, that shouldn't be happening to me. 
That shouldn't be happening to you. It should be happening to me. Like, yeah, all the stuff. It's interpreting. It's like interpreting verbs. Yeah? To, and have all the verbing signify the importance of the noun. You. That they're happening to. Nothing ever happened to you. That's the freedom. Life is happening. Not happening to you. Happening to you is an interpretation. Life is happening as an event. It's different, yes? In the event, there is an interpretation in it, but it's not the dominating force. Know what's the dominating force? The consciousness or the awareness. That's the dominating presence. The interpretation is like a minor stream that you see go, yes? And you see its source, and it's an imaginary pool. There's nothing there. And that's true freedom from it. You see it for what it is. It's a mental process. It's producing a product, the feeling of being you. And it gives that feeling historical, a historical feeling, and also gives it a prior feeling. So when everything happens, it seems like you were there first, and then something happened to you, doesn't it? Instead of seeing everything in part and parcel at the same time as happening, it always seems like there's always me, and then things happen to me. Yeah? That's not a true take. That's made up. You didn't have that feeling when you were a baby. There was no sense of being a self for the first year and a half, they said. Yeah. There was no center of the universe. You didn't even recognize a mother yet. You didn't see you or so you didn't see an other. All there was was consciousness trying to get used to a, an apparatus, basically. Yeah. Suddenly, thinking occurs places the thought before the consciousness and now claims the consciousness as something I do or don't do. And now we're just constantly applying time solutions to a timeless solution. Yeah? The practices, the longer I practice it, the better it'll get. That's not the given at all. I've seen people wake up cutting a giant piece of pig. Butcher just had a, his mind cracked open like an egg one day. This one of the highest dudes I ever met was an 80-something-year-old old Italian cobbler who made shoes for uh, Mother Teresa on, in, on church and 30th Street. Because I had to have my shoes fixed. I mean, Peter Fonda. This guy was a true saint because he had no idea what he was. Yet he was, it was being blossoming out through strict Catholicism. But it outshone all of that. Yeah. What was happening was outshining all the circumstances it seemed to have been happening in Catholicism. But I loved going to this guy's place. It was great hanging out in this little shack where he made these little shoes. The energy was so nice there, yeah. The energy doesn't have to match any freaking form. It's what gives life to any form. Yeah? Manifestation is form, but what moves in the form is formless. Yes? And it's not dictated by the form. It doesn't matter how it looks. It's seeing. Yeah? It can shine through, you know, Orthodox Judaism. It can shine through atheism. It can shine through whatever. It doesn't need... There's no special lens that makes it brighter and better. They're all ways of life. They're ways of 
of dealing with functioning, that they, they do not provide the juice. The juice is already available. No outlets ever producing electricity. Not one. Not one fucking outlet is, is providing the electricity that it connects you with. Not one. To build a temple to the outlet. <laughs> It's like it's like feeling around a dark wall looking for the things and then getting electrocuted. <laughs> That's it, I got it. You put on the light, it's Alice Deli. <laughs> it wasn't the temple. Alice Deli? No. How did I get it here? So what so cannot become so, yeah? I mean, you know. What so cannot become so. What's timeless can't be approached through time, obviously. What's everywhere can't be found somewhere. What's everywhere negates any kind of path because you can't take a path to it, nor can you take a path that leads from it. Yes? Because it's everywhere. There's no center in everywhere. Everywhere in everywhere is the center. Yes? At all times, it's always available with no requirement necessary. You've already fulfilled the requirement. What's looking describes seeing. What's looking is the interpretation of what I am, seeing. What's bonding me to the, uh, of the, the looking is the idea of being the one who's looking. If I'm not that one who's looking, then all looking displays the seeing that it is. try to catch up to it and claim it, but it's always lagging behind. <laughs> because I'll tell you, let's say this room right now, if the temperature was fine for you, there would be notice, no noticing of it, would it? There would be no noticing of it if it was fine. If it didn't produce an effect either this way or that way that would trigger the agitation of mind, it would be fine. Yes? That's what it's like, that sense of okayness. It's not being noticed at all by mind. All the mind does is try to claim something, yeah, by noticing. This is prior to noticing. You don't know if you're having a good day or not, actually. You have no idea, really. That's the joy of it, yeah? The joy of it is you don't know what's going on. And you've lost interest in it on that level. You don't want to note your condition because there's no noting it because it ain't a fucking condition. In other words, you're totally irrelevant to it. Thank God. If you were relevant to it, it's going to be far from you when you most need it. And it'll be super close to you when you're totally disregarding it. But when you most need it, it won't be anywhere around. Yeah. In recovery, they say this statement, to uh, turn our will and our lives over to the care of a power greater than ourselves, right? Based on our own understanding, right? How I understand that power. Now, over years, I've come to another conclusion. I don't want a higher power of my own understanding. 
Yeah, I don't. It would be a very small higher power, <laughs> being defined by the bigger higher power, the selfing. Yeah, but I'd love to find out. I want to know the higher power by its own understanding, yeah? because that's finding out. That's how it is. And I'll tell you, no matter how big you think you can entertain, it's it's tiny and very small in partition compared to what will be revealed. Yeah. Not all at once, maybe all at once, who knows. But usually I think it, maybe it hits all at once, but then here in translation you find out more and more and more and more as you travel. And the one thing I found, in your traveling, it doesn't promise that the terrain of your life will change, though it may, but you will travel light over it, yes? No matter what your life entails for your little action figure, you'll travel lighter over it. That's a damn good solution, I think, yeah? And you'll know the tree by the fruit. I mean, that's what happens. You can't see the tree because it's no-thingness, but you'll intimate it by what happens to you here in this little pantomime. Once the bondage to self, see, when you see you're not that, the solution verifies the problem, yeah? When you see that you're not self, you see it. You see it. You see the making of it. You see it, yeah? It's like what was sort of behind the scenes comes out in broad daylight. You see its structure. It's like that onion, but with nothing, no center. It's just onions, Yeah? You peel the onion, you peel the onion, it just keeps peeling. There's no center. There's no you that anything's happening to. (laughs) All the meaning about how everything is so important that's being distributed outside is seemingly coming from this one inside fixed reference. There is no fixed reference. Once that's seen to be untrue, then all the meaning changes. All the meaning just starts shifting. Because the meaning was a way of like a like a like a magnet beam holding holding this subject object reality. I'm the one who's having this experience in place by the meaning your head was giving the things, by holding them in so much importance or fear and this and that. It located you, yeah. But and you blame all these outside things, but it's the gravity of of this of the selfing that's keeping the thoughts in the orbit. Not the thoughts. A thought is just a thought until it becomes my thought. When it becomes my thought, it means a whole lot more than when it was just a thought. Just look at it. Look at money. Someone, money, if money was seen as money, then if you had a lot of it, you'd probably be fine. But let's say it's seen as my money, and there's a belief in the idea of Paul that I'm never going to have enough. So here I am with nine hundred and something thousand dollars, and that seems to a lot of people, and just here, a lot of money, but not to me. So money is money until it's my money. Then it has a whole different meaning, yes? Relationship is relationship until it's my relationship. I've seen this happen so much in my own life and other people's lives. Everything's fine when it's just someone you know, but when they become my girlfriend, you're up on stalking charges maybe three months later. Now you're, you know, you're going through their internet, email. You think you, did, you have the right to listen to their fucking phone messages. It's unbelievable. A huge leap of being the proprietor just takes, gives so much different meaning, doesn't it? So it's not the thought, it's not the girlfriend, it's the my. Yeah? The M-Y. What does that represent? That word represents the act of being identified. Yeah? The act of claiming. The act of having. 
the act of owning. In, the, in that act of owning, that's the activity of bondage. Not, yeah, but the act of, the act of this, not seen, promotes this and that. Yeah? The activity promotes, this looking promotes the looka. Yeah? And then the looka interprets the seeing as looking. Yeah? And, in, and when the looking keeps looking, it implies a looker. And then the looker interprets the seeing in, as looking. And the looking refers and reinforces the looker. And then the looker looks at the seeing, and now it's looking. And da 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 da. It's like a it's like a self-sustaining system. But it's a verb, and it can be startled into stopping. Yeah. And you've had a pause in your life. I'm sure you have. Many of us have. And when that pause happens, something stops, but something continues. I would say we're what, we are that which continues, then that which stops. The selfing stops, and at that point, the projector is not projecting light and creating this sense of selfing, and there's a pause there. And I say that's your original face. That no-thingness, that pause, that verb, with not a noun in sight, Yes? When the shift of mind goes from noun and verb to just verb,
call it playing God. Yeah, that's what it does. So I would rather see. For me, it's not about turning my will in my life. I actually say it says abandon the self. That I like a lot better because it's not abandoning you. It's abandoning the self. When you abandon the self, you'll realize your nature is of abandonment. Your real nature. It's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, it, to me, it's that. But at first, it was important to turn my will, my life over, because what happens, I saw with mine, is when mine gives meaning to something, yes, it sends its minions around that thing, and it thinks a lot about it. Yeah? So I remember when I was first sober, and I met someone I thought I may like, the first thing I had to do was surrender that. Yeah, I used to have a Buddha and everything, so I'd write it on a piece of paper, I surrender the possibility of this relationship with this girl over to you, and stick it in there, and I date it. And, then I, and it, that kind of idea worked for me, and I'd travel around for a few weeks, and the relationship started having a life of its own, and I'd pull out that thing, and I'd see, hey, this, this new managerial team's doing a lot better than what I do. So I'll just think I'll stick with this, yeah? It's simple. It was like practical. Like when I was in Delancey Street, I was in a drug and alcohol program for two years. I lived there for two years, and when I left there... You know, I had a lot of opinions about them and everything. I graduated. I didn't run out of there. I finished there. I finished the sentence, so to speak. And But I had to admit, grudgingly, that my life looked better with them running it than it ever did with me running it. So I had a very clear sense of my... I'm not managerial quality. You know? I'm just... My head it's, doesn't do a good job. So... But AA gave me the real engine for that. But I used that for quite a lot of years. Because I knew as soon as my mind made something important, what it did, it manifested around there. Which means it thought a lot about it. Yes? And, of course, as soon as it thinks around about it, what's forgotten is what you were hoping that may bring you, and it brings you the exact opposite. Like you were hoping, knowing that woman was going to bring you some peace and happiness, and that wanting to know the woman is actually causing you huge amounts of anxiety. That's what selfing does. It produces the exact opposite of what you were going into the situation for. Now, you may think that is like confusing, but I say that's actually the culmination of its true agenda. Its true agenda is selfing. It's not to promote you <laughs> at all. You're like it's like a parasite, and it's living off of you like a host. It doesn't have a life, and it doesn't have an. In, it can't. In, it can't uh, enter a life but through a host. So. He is the host, in a sense, yes? And so the parasite of alcoholism takes over the host by presenting an image of you called the self that you believe you're in. So now, no matter how hostile the takeover is, which would usually uh, incite a move to get rid of the parasite, it's very hard to entertain being free of something you're identified as. You can't do it. That's why people go to therapy and stuff. That's why they try to civilize themselves. That's why they go and take anger management things, because, or they read a lot of self-help books. Yes, all this kind of stuff are ways because they can't entertain being free of it because they're identified as it. So they've got to try to change it, you know, so that their life can at least have a little fucking room. So at one point you're thinking, well, if I only had a three-month-long relationship, that would be great, you know, or the next picnic I go to, I don't flip out. That would be cool, you know. So your ideas of success are very meager. Because you're trying to buy it off an incredibly insane parasite. Yeah. But what I found, as soon as I started seeing it as a foreign installment, the next possibility my mind can entertain is I can be free of it. Free of it. 
free of it. Not give it self-esteem, try to win it over, bribe it, you know, fucking, you know, give it many sacrifices, all right, another relationship, sacrifice to this fucking thing, whatever, destroyed lives, you know, this and that. No, I can actually be free of it. Woohoo! Yes, that's the one little thing I see in most of recovery, is they're not getting to the point of seeing the root of the problem as identification. They're still in the root of the problem as being obsession with self. But I believe it's not that. I believe when the mind's identified as a self, what it does as its activity is obsess around self. That's what I call selfing. But the real problem to me is identification as a self. That's the problem. Because I can say this, you know, with strength, because I found out by the solution what the problem is. When I gave up the, when I entertain, I may not be that. The solution that started to prevail in my life demonstrated I was on the money about the problem. I got some long-lasting radical relief. And that's enough for me. I don't need that, anything to verify it other than my own gut. Yeah. I don't need to read a book to say I'm right. <laughs> Who cares? I'm, I'm living it. It feels cool. <laughs> yes, yes. But in my tradition, what I know, like, in other words, not the, the number existence, the, the way I can meter, or the, the currency yeah. of what's going on or not going on is, is the name of that is love. And so, could you help, could you bring that into this? Well, it's already here, so. I mean, in other words, like when, this, when that false self is put aside and what you're left with in that pure seeing place, that is the love? Well, I don't, like, I don't like to use the word love, so because I think it has a lot of connotation to a lot of different people. Some of it uh, leaning towards emotional stuff. But uh, for me, it's, it's got a lot of qualities all mixed in. You may call it love. How it mostly presents to me is clarity, extreme clarity and clearness, like open sky, which to me is sort of love. For me, it's a total demonstration of love because every moment that you're alive, it's, it's inviting you through conscious contact. Consciousness is demonstrating itself through contact. So no matter how far away you think you are, the invitation is always laid at your feet every second as long as you're alive. To me, that's love. That's an incredible amount of love. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know. If you can, it's like, uh, you know, it's, so when someone gets motivated, if it went through a different type of writer, it would be written a different way. Everyone has a unique sort of take on it, I guess. You know, that's my take. Clarity feels really something. Yes? So what about the body? Um, you know, it's not, if it's, if it's just our action figure and it's not who we are, body's cool, as long as it's not, I would say, as long as it's not taken to be you, it's awesome. It's a great, uh, this place wouldn't be happening. This is the vehicle for this experience to occur, yes, in the manifestation. I like the body a lot. It, it, it provides, it, there's certain things that, uh, I have tendencies of things I really love that need a body to do them, you know. I mean, I surf, so I need a body to get in the water. So I think that's pretty cool. 
So I have no problem with the body. Actually, the body, this body has gotten the healthiest it's ever gotten because the big mother hen that was constantly sitting on it, which was throwing me as an urban renewal project for the rest of this fucking life, <laughs> finally got off the big golden egg and walked away and got involved in other things, and my body's been really happy about that. <laughs> because uh, when it was so... Con- Most people I find who I know, their idea of the body is a mental concept. You know, They're living like those dogs you see that have mange and stuff. You don't want them to itch, so they have those cones on most of us are just living like with these mental <laughs> codes, really. And we may think we're totally into the body, but it's a concept of the body. The body's cool. I have no problem with it. And uh, the idea of presence, see, maybe, see, there's something prior to breath, though. The field of awareness is way prior to the activity of breathing. So that is helpful, but that is quantumly different. When you sense the presence, yeah, yeah, it's just different. It's prior. It has no quality of time or process, yeah? It's got a whole different flavor than here. And yet, it influences here with its flavor once it's entertained by mind, yeah? It does. The presence will influence how things seem to go and be in your experiences. It will flavor them by, be, by just recognizing his presence. And his presence fits the word presence. There's no time involved in it. What most of us are calling now, we were talking about this the other night, the most of us that we call now, right, is really a, a, a made-up piece of time that's bookended with the past and the future. Yeah, And then the mental realm of the past and the future influences greatly the feeling of now. Let's say in the addictive mind, the now is what everyone wants to get out of. Truly. When I was shooting dope, the now was the last place I wanted to be. Because, and yet, the real let's say if you want to call it the real now, that was underneath that was my solution. So, my mind had me going as far away as possible from where the solution was. <laughs> because they presented a now that was full of a lot of guilt and shame and fucking things that I was bad and this and that. And the worry and concern about, I'm going to be found out one fucking day. I can't keep running. I mean, I'm going to have to face this some fucking time. Yeah? And this bookend made an unbearable thing my mind called the now. But I don't think that's the now. I say the now is the presence. Yes? What we, I feel, some of us are calling the now is just another slice of time. But mostly, what's, it's just a, 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 a repository for now, past and future, you know, mental ideas. Don't you feel that sometimes? How, if you're not... I don't know about you, but that's what I was like when I was doing drugs. Man, I just did not want to be here, conscious. <laughs> that was the last thing I wanted to be. <laughs> Fucking being aware of all that impending doom from the past bookend and the future bookend. <laughs> Shit! I'd rather overdose, really. I would. And I did, quite a lot. <laughs> and then I woke up in another mental now. And that really pissed me off. Because then it was more shit. I had policemen and everything in that now. <laughs> the now got worse and worse and worse. I couldn't wait to get out. The power of now? Fuck that. 
It was the power there and then. <laughs> now it had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I didn't, I'd never even seen it now yet. <laughs> it was always there and then. I saw someone, I was one to three or four, but after that it was always there and then. Yeah. scare the bejesus out of me. <laughs> all those all those convicted court cases in my in the mind's court. That's why people we're trying to get like a pardon up here. There's no pardoning. The case is airtight against you. You need to bring all these cases up into the court of light. That's the only place where there's a pardon. You're ahead, you're already convicted. You're just living out a sentence, basically. You're ahead has you fucking zeroed in on, it knows you exactly the way it knows you, and it's not budging. No matter how much evidence to the contrary, <laughs> it watches that side like that. No matter how many times you're good, that one time when you're bad, oh, crystallizes it all once again. <laughs> it's slavery to mind. There's a freedom, but not as a you. The freedom comes from there's not a you. It never comes to a you. Never, never, never. That's the that's the the vehicle for the bondage, the idea of being a self. And you don't think hoping to be free isn't a form of bondage? Of course it is. Hoping to be free is an incredible, exquisite form of bondage. I've seen people who are fine, then they heard about enlightenment and they've been in hell ever since. <laughs> Because they keep thinking they're not in enlightenment and someone else is in it. How did they get there? They were better off when they were drinking beer or fucking at the bar. Enlightenment is like the curse. This is like you're you're given, you're freed from the need to be liberated. It's really fucking good. Shit. (laughs) The last place you want to go is out of here. You realize... The way you transcend this place is being here. That's the way you transcend it. When you finally stop and be here, that's the transcendence of this place. I've been trying to get out of here my whole life. My whole life, since I was four or five, I've been trying to get out of here. Through books, science fiction books, Edgar Allan Poe, through drugs, through spirituality. Yes? I've been trying to get out of here. Every time I was trying to get out of here was actually being in here. It was like when I was young. Things overwhelmed me. I tried to make them as unreal as I could be. Yeah? And what I did, I made them as real as they could be by trying to make them unreal. Yes? When I finally let them be as real as they could be, they showed me their nature. They're unreal. The transcendence is being here. Fuck. Isn't it that? How long have you been seeking? How long have I been looking for something? Every freaking day. I've acquired so much something, and it adds up to nothing. Why not start with nothing? Yeah? When you get get a lot of something, and it adds up to nothing, that's a mental nothing. When you get nothing, that's an incredible nothing. No thing. You're left with no thing. Yeah? Haven't you been addicted to something? Something, something. More and more and more and more. Have you ever read a whole health self-help book all the way through? Probably not. I don't, I never did. I'd read one or two chapters and then go buy another one maybe, or another spiritual book. <laughs> Fuck. I didn't want to find anything. I just wanted something to do. <laughs> seeking, seeking, seeking. 
meditation. Any other more questions? Yes? You're not used to being here, no. See, everyone's been well trained. They, they know not to ask questions anymore. No, no, it's all right. <laughs> Well, you'll have... What? Motivates any doing? Motivation does. Can't be motivation be in and of itself something? Can it... Why does it always have to have a noun involved? Can't a verb just be a verb? Why does it have to be someone somewhere doing it? That blows my mind this place. Let's say, if I can't blame Jeff for doing something, I'll blame me for doing it. If I can't blame any human, I'll say God did it, you know? Somehow there's someone, some noun had to do it. How about motivation is motivating? Maybe everything is a movement upon a movement upon a movement. Maybe there's no solid thing that motivates anything here. There's just motivation, movement, 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 movement. Who knows? See, if there's a you that's motivated, the you gives a lot of meaning to the motivation. I'm telling you, the you represents a lot of meaning. Uh, just a giant storage unit of conditional ideas, mental realm, like uh, fluff, you know, tons of mental realm stuff. And so it gets to manifest here, have an effect here, by it being distributed in by the mind, yeah? So a thought is it's just a thought, but when it's my thought, all my old ideas invest it with meaning, yeah? That thought means something different than it would to you if you called it your thought, Yeah? So the meaning gets injected, 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 injected. Tons of meaning are being distributed. Tons of it, tons of it. All coming from a one solid, long-lasting, independent, separate idea called you. Fuck. Your own bondage is made by you. Yeah. It's slavery. It's a form of slavery. Check it out. It's a form of slavery. We used to talk about, some of us here are addicts, you know, and uh, I remember we'd be up for like four or five days, and at the beginning of the run, we looked pretty cool, you know, and we thought we were pretty cool. We had the little black leather stuff, and I had some nice looking ladies who would go horizontal with me, so I must be okay, and I'd be running around, doing my thing, and then everything was well and good as long as there was a lot of coke, and then the coke started running out, you know. And we'd all be in an apartment, laid up, about nine of us with our own separate chairs and couches, doing our little thing. I was an intravenous user. Then one of us, the idea that there was no more coke would hit, yeah? So that one would be standing, sitting there like this, and then suddenly it would start looking on the rug. And false evidence started to appear real, like lint looked like cocaine or something like that. And slowly, without really... Not taking, you'd maybe look once around the room, and then you'd be down like this. <laughs> and you'd be sort of going around, looking at things with a great expectation it could possibly be some coke. I hope so. And then the one person would see a naked down. And in about five minutes, the whole place, everyone had their little acreage. Don't go past this couch already. Oh, yeah. And we'd be like trying to harvest like an imaginary crop. There was no fucking coke. You have to realize something powerful was driving that behavior, yes? Something 
that would take a cool character, put them on their knees, and start hoping that they're seeing a rock of narcotics in a piece of lint. That's a, that's a powerful, powerful, powerful juice going on, mental juice. I mean, that's seeking on a large scale. It's a craving to be loved. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shit. I had a whole lot of that craving, bro. You see, though, eh? You see the movement of the conditioned minds in. Being loved, but not realizing it. Yes? And then having itself make symbols of what it thinks represents love, signifies love, and then tons of meaning given to those things, and yet an absence in the delivery of the love, which produces more want, more craving, more need, and never taking your eye off the ball. The same system keeps applying. It's outside. That will deliver it to you. Go get it. Yes? Fuck. Slavery. See, extreme slavery to a system of thought and interpretation. A mental like parasite, you know, if you want to look at it that way. You see, it thrives off of that. It thrives off of wanting and not having. It does. It craves drama. It loves it. It's juicy for it. It want, doesn't want any fulfillment. Fulfillment would be its absence. Lack of fulfillment is where it appears. Because it's the boss there. It's running the show. I'm going to get what I need and that's going to deliver it. But its absence is the fulfillment. Its absence is the fulfillment. And that's the last thing it wants. Because if you really truly felt fulfilled, you'd sense an absence of that. And that's the last thing it wants. That's the last message it wants life to deliver. Because then you, maybe, as seeming the host, could recognize it's a parasite. Once you did, you could be free of it. Fuck, no way. It's not going to deliver any goods. It just promises, yes? Look at a failed system. What kind of system that worked would need excuses, rationalization, and blame? Watch your mental system. When you constantly don't get what you want, or it doesn't translate to what you thought it was going to do, what occurs? An admittance of its failedness? No. Excuses, rationalizations, and blame. Yes? It will, it will not give up the fucking ghost. <laughs> it will just keep applying the failed mechanism over and over and over again. It ain't giving it up. It's not going to learn. <laughs> You're not going to convince it with all the evidence. I know people who have total evidence never, never, never to have another drug again. And given the certain circumstances, there they're out having another drug. All that evidence does squat. Yeah. You need a solution. A spirit, we call it a spiritual solution. There's got to be a shift of mind. And what, what basic stagnant movement is causing no shifts to really occur? It's selfish. Even epiphany, even what you would call an epiphany, will be claimed by selfing as an experience. Even its own absence, when light breaks through and you get a, it's just a giant stretch of no time in what you call time, when the self arises, it will claim it. It will claim its own absence as an experience it had. It's not going to give up the fucking wheel. <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> It's freedom. There is a solution. Yeah. But not for you. <laughs> there is no one for you. No. 
I think that's great news. So uh, that's it, eh? We're going to pass the basket. Does anyone have a hat here tonight? Chris, can you borrow yours? That's all, thanks. So everyone, uh, yeah, people have been here before. Monday, Wednesday, Saturdays. We have two meetings a week here. Monday at 7 and Wednesday 7.30, this room. So therefore, if you never want to see me again, don't come back. <laughs> and Saturday we have a meeting in Marin. And we have a website called zenbitchslap.com. Tons of talks on there. Videos and everything like that. And I have shirts on sale, but not, I didn't bring any tonight. So send this slap shirts. I do, I do shoulder massages 10 minutes after the meeting. not with the breathing, but it's prior to the breathing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we done with the cash? All right, we'll... Uh
just lead like a, take that piece. Yeah. Okay.